the podcast from First Lutheran Church in Columbia Heights, Minnesota. During the season of Lent, we are reading through the entire Gospel of Luke. Each day, you will hear a portion of the Gospel, followed by a brief meditation and a prayer. Subscribe to receive this podcast daily. Thank you for joining us. Luke 4, verses 1 through 30, The Temptation of Jesus. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. Jesus ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I will give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered the devil, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread throughout all the surrounding countries. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, his hometown where he had been brought up, He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. Jesus unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do you hear also in your hometown the things you have heard done at Capernaum? And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. 
There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When those who were gathered there heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up. They drove Jesus out of town and led him to the edge of a hill, a cliff, where their town was built, so that they might throw him off the cliff. But Jesus passed through the midst of the crowd and went on his way. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want to take a moment to talk about what Jesus happened, what happens to Jesus when he goes back to his hometown. Nazareth is a small town, a working class town, a place where there's farmers and carpenters and builders and small business owners. And Jesus has been going around doing amazing things, preaching and teaching, and he's developing quite a name for himself. But as we know about small towns, he's always Joseph's kid. He's always going to be a son of a carpenter. So he's invited to preach at the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stands up and he reads this verse from Isaiah about bringing good news to the poor and proclaiming release to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and letting the oppressed go free. And I imagine the people in his small town are excited because they think he's going to do this for us. He has the power to heal us. He has the power to make our small businesses better. He has the power to make sure our children can see, to help the poor in our town. And Jesus says to them, yes, I will help your people. I will help our small town. But I also have a responsibility to help people from other towns, from other countries, from other communities, other cultures. And he tells the story of prophets from the Old Testament who helped people from their towns, but also traveled far and wide healing people from other communities, even communities that their people had been at war with. Jesus crossed lines of war. He crossed lines of racism, of nativism, of culture. Now, some of you might think, wow, what a powerful message. I'm really glad that you're doing that. That's how it would be received at the synagogue that day, that people would be like, wow, you're like a missionary. That's amazing. No, um, instead, they uh, get super angry and try to murder Jesus. Now, why would someone try to murder someone that says that he's going to go around helping people from other communities? Well, I think we have to ask ourselves, why wouldn't this small community want anyone from other communities to have good things? And I think the answer is in the fact that when you're hurting, when your town has a lot of problems, 
When you feel like your group of people hasn't gotten a fair shake, when you feel like your businesses are suffering, it's hard to hear that the person who can help you is planning on helping someone else. Because you think about, what about me? Especially if the person that that good thing is going to is someone you really don't like. It's from a culture that you don't really care about. It's from a country that you've been at war with. And so they try to kill Jesus. The people from his small town, the people who changed his diaper, the people who shopped at his dad's carpentry shop, the people that he went to uh, Hebrew school with, he comes home the way that many of our young people come home from college, only to be met with a mob of people who try to throw him off a cliff. Can you imagine how painful that was? I imagine Mary and Joseph are at that synagogue. They're sitting in the back row and they're watching their neighbors and friends decide that they're going to kill their son. Jesus' brothers and sisters are watching. The equivalent of Jesus' Sunday school teacher is watching. At that point, I think I would have given up. I think I would have just quit and said, you know what? I'm out. I'm done. I've already had a lengthy discussion with the devil, and now my hometown has tried to murder me. I'm hanging up my rabbi robes, and I'm going home. But that is what is so inspiring. At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he has faced incredible, incredible resistance and found incredibly painful interactions. And yet he keeps going because he is motivated by the love of God to show love to those that people would rather ignore. This is the calling of Jesus on our lives. To love people even when it costs us something. Even when it means that those we love, that those who raised us, that those from our small town or our hometown say we have no business caring for. Even if it means losing some relationships, we are called to love people. It's so hard. It's so painful. But God knows that pain. Jesus has experienced that pain. He has walked through it for us, and he will walk through it with us. Amen.